It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the police singing Born in the 50s. I'll tell you, we always spend a lot of time talking about the um, Kennedy assassination. I should say the Kennedy assassinations, particularly around major anniversaries or when there's major dates like happened last week with respect to the investigation into the Kennedy assassination. Of all the guests that I have interviewed in the course of the last two years about the Kennedy assassination, Rarely has one provoked as much instant reaction as Lamar Waldron. He has been described as one of the best investigative journalists in the country. He is the author of several books, including The Hidden History of the JFK Assassination. And uh, we are thrilled that uh, in the aftermath of this decision to release thousands of documents related to the Kennedy assassination, he's agreed to join us once more. Lamar, it's great to talk with you again. I appreciate you staying up late. Great to be with you again, Frank. So uh, give us the, uh, for the extent that you've gotten to look at them, the highlights of what was released last week. Does any of the, do any of these documents move the needle in any investigative direction? Well, first I should say uh, that there's a figure people may have seen. Uh, 13,173 documents were released. You would think that would be a lot of documents. Maybe some of those documents have a lot of pages. But that's incredibly misleading, um, which is why the CIA felt to send out uh, a secret list of talking points to some select reporters. Because the vast majority of those documents, uh, probably on the order of 95 to 98%, were documents we already had. We just now have an extra name here or a sentence there that had been previously blacked out in, in the terms of the National Archives. That's called being redacted. So, so these are not, the vast majority of these are not new documents at all. They're documents that we've had for years and a name or a line or something like that uh, we, we now have. And so the CIA felt compelled to send out these, these, talking, these misleading talking points to several uh, reporters. And, and, and your, your, your audience members can Google those. If you, uh, if you Google Jefferson Morley and CIA talking points, Jefferson Morley being a former uh, reporter for the Washington Post. And, uh, and basically, the CIA, by the way, has been doing this since at least 1967. I actually have those CIA talking points. We've had those for several years where they basically just lay out a misleading case where people should say, well, there's nothing to see here. You know, most of the files have been released. Look at all these new files. But like I say, they aren't new at all. You know, overwhelming percentage are, are things we've had before. And so all of the really good stuff I was predicting um, on radio uh, before the release that none, none of the important files would be released. 
And, and, and one big reason is, and again, another reason the CIA put out those talking points to some of their favored reporters, was that everyone, everyone who has made a credible confession to their role in JFK's murder, and by credible, I don't mean for money, uh, you know, like some federal prisoner uh, did or, or, or E. Howard Hunt did late in his life trying to get a deal from uh, Kevin Costner, but I mean people who made a, a confession late in life uh, that actually had some meat on it, and they made it to to a close, confident, and a situation uh, confident, you know, where where they thought it would never be revealed. Right, or Woody some... Harrelson's father, who might have been on drugs when he made that confession. Well, right. So I, I don't consider that to be a credible confession because you're exactly right on drugs. People should keep in mind that that Charles Harrelson, uh, Woody Harrelson's dad, uh, was the first person ever convicted of, of murdering a federal judge. And he did it while the judge was sitting in a car and he shot from behind a picket fence. So, um, but there's a, there is a good chance that Charles Harrelson was shadowing JFK uh, in Houston the night before the assassination. Uh, but, but again, you brought out the drugs, and plus he later denied it. So, uh, but there are half a dozen, and see, most people don't realize it, there are half a dozen uh, people who made credible confessions, all of whom, all of whom were either CAA assets in the CAA's plots with the mafia to kill Fidel, or actual CAA agents. Three actual CAA agents actually made credible confessions to having participated in JFK's assassination. And I believe that's what Tucker Carlson was probably referring to. Frankly, anybody who's read any of my books, especially the last one, The Hidden History of the JFK Assassination, they would actually see the accounts of these uh, confessions and um, uh, you know how, how they fit into things. So, so I, I'll give you an example of, of the important files that were not released and, and will not be released. So the new deadline is June the 30th of next year, 2023. But none of the most important files are even in what's called the JFK collection at the National Archives, which the National Archives and the Biden administration can pull from. In other words, the agencies, the FBI, CAA, Secret Service, Naval Intelligence, they, they made sure in the 90s they didn't send the best stuff. I'll give you an example. So there were three of uh, uh, mafia people involved in the, the CIA's attempts uh, with the mafia to try to kill Fidel Castro before the 1960 election. Those, those attempts continued into 1963 and beyond. Now, three of those participants, Carlos Marcello, godfather of Louisiana, East Texas, and most of Mississippi, uh, Santo Traficante, the godfather of much of Florida, uh, based in Tampa, Florida, and Johnny Roselli, uh, the Chicago Mafia's man in Hollywood and Las Vegas, uh, they all made credible, credible confessions late in life. Carlos Marcello's confession was to an FBI informant when Marcello was in prison, 1985. Most, the most detailed confession was made in the prison yard, but... The, the FBI, most of whom are great people, because I've, I've talked to a lot of them, they actually got a bug transistor radio in Carlos Marcello's uh, prison cell, thanks to his cellmate, who was an FBI informant. And, and so they recorded hundreds of hours of Marcello talking about matters related to JFK's murder, ranging from the, uh, uh, Marcello's role in the murder of, of Jimmy Hoffa to uh, the fact that Marcello employed 
uh, and met with Lee Harvey Oswald the summer before the assassination. And, and I was able to confirm this from FBI files, that Carlos Marcello actually owned Jack Ruby's nightclub. So mainstream media loves to refer to Jack Ruby as a nightclub owner. Well, he didn't own that nightclub. Mm. Carlos Marcello's organization owned that. Dozens of other nightclubs. By the way, there were four gay nightclubs in Dallas in 1963. That shocked me. I mean, I, I just couldn't imagine Dallas was that liberal. Well, they weren't. But Marcello owned those clubs because they were good, not just for selling overpriced watered-down drinks to the gay population of Dallas, but for the blackmail potential. So, so bottom line is Jack Ruby, who was gay, uh, but, but he, owned a, he, he managed a strip club for Marcello, was caught stealing money from the till. Uh, you know, Marcello's accountants knew exactly how much money uh, the club should uh, uh, gross at certain times of the year. They came up really short for no reason. Jack Ruby was summoned to uh, an estate that Marcello had outside of New Orleans, more than a thousand acres, um, private airstrip, uh, alligators on the property. And basically, Jack Ruby was told, look, we've caught you stealing. You know, you're, you're not going to leave here and your body's going to be eaten by alligators unless you, you do what we say. Hmm. And, so, and so basically, I mean, because if you think about it, going into a police basement to kill the most heavily guarded man in America at that point, um, that's pretty crazy, right? Now, Jack Ruby knew he could get away with it because he knew most of the officers on the force, many of whom got free drinks and women at the nightclub that he managed for Marcello. But he didn't get away with it. Oh, oh I, I beg to differ. Uh, uh, Jack Ruby got away with it in terms of, I mean, he, he got close enough to pull that trigger and kill the target. Oh, oh I thought you meant he escaped, uh, he escaped uh, right. culpability. And, 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 and here's another interesting factor. So after... Ruby shot Oswald, only got off the one shot in the abdomen. He was he was really worried. He was frantic. He was kind of a high-strung, nervous guy anyway. I mean, he was just kind of beside himself in prison. And again, remember, the, the, the police guarding him, they, they know him. You know, a lot of them have been to his club. And, uh, but they said the minute, the minute it came through that, well, Jack, it looks like it's the chair for you because Oswald's died. Jack, he calmed down. He relaxed because he knew if Oswald didn't die, he was going to die. Mm. You know, once Oswald was dead, he had fulfilled his mission and he could relax. Going back to these documents, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Lamar Waldron. He's the author of uh, several books, including the history, the hidden history of the JFK assassination. I know there were a lot of documents that were also previously released, but with greater redactions previously. What are some of those? What do they uh, what do they tell us? And what what are the what are the reduced redactions in these documents telling us about sort of the uh, time leading up to the assassination itself? Well, I, I can actually tell you that very concisely because for, for several reasons. Number one, there was an, uh, I, I can't praise the people of National Archives enough. They do a tremendous job. They've been very helpful to me and, and every other researcher and author over the years. And they have uh, – all of these files have been uh, through optical character recognition. They've all been indexed. So you can immediately go on the index at uh, National Archives' website and, and see if a particular name – you know, like Carlos Marcello, appears in the new files. It doesn't. 
uh, because the FBI is keeping the confession tapes and transcripts at FBI headquarters, either in the special file room they have, or they have so many top secret documents. They, the FBI also has a warehouse in Maryland. So, so we know it from that plus. Um, and, and, and in an era when people are not very bipartisan, maybe it will do your, your listeners good to hear this. So there's actually a, an email group for JFK authors, researchers, historians on all sides of the issue. And, and so we, we share information with each other. So, so I don't have to have looked at all of these documents because everybody you know, takes their own area of interest, looks at those, sure. and then we share those. Every single time, every single time somebody on that email group has said, look, hey, I felt, look at this. This is really interesting. Somebody else on the group has said, oh, no, we've had that for three years or for two years or for 10 years. So none of the redactions uh, – there, there, there was one recently had a couple of CAA names that were fairly you know, meaningless. I'll give you another example, though. Santo Traficanti, godfather of Tampa, who did confess his role in JFK's murder very shortly before his death. He had a hitman from Cuba named Herminio Diaz. Okay? So a file named Herminio Diaz was released. So people were like, wow, this is, this is good stuff. And, and by the way, according to Cuban intelligence, I don't really pay them much attention, but I just mentioned that, um, another Cuban exile said that Herminio Diaz was in Dealey Plaza when JFK was shot. So this would be a, 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 a file of great interest. We've had this one particular page for years, short introductory paragraph, the whole rest of the page completely blacked out. So researchers were going to that file and say, boy, if, if we don't have that file blacked out now, the CA document could be really good. Well, it, the whole rest of it was still blacked out. So in other words, the the few you know, the, the redactions that were removed were nothing of any importance. You know, it, it was the name of a CIA of a minor CIA official who figures into nothing. You know, and they were just protecting him while he was still alive. So basically, basically the release was a big shell game that the CIA, with their talking points to reporters, tried to make people think it was more serious than it was. But I have to give the mainstream media some credit. Um, which I don't often do, because they, they actually did a pretty good job having Jefferson Morley and, 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 and one of the attorneys who is suing the White House to enforce the, the 1992 JFK Act. Yeah, Larry uh, Schnapp's been on this show uh, as well. He was oh, on yeah, just great, the other day. Great, great guy. I, again, I only know him through the email group. And so um, uh, Jefferson Morley, I, I know we, we've actually met in Washington before. So, so you know, so, so this time... You know, we've had a little more reporting that, hey, there's still important stuff, you know, but, but what, what Larry and, and Jefferson Morley are talking about is literally the, the tiny tip of a gigantic iceberg. So, um, you know, if your listeners want to see these files, I'll give you an example. Uh, Senator Chuck Grassley was, was in office, it seems like forever, but certainly when the 1992 JFK Act was passed, he voted for it because everyone in Congress – Senate and House at 1990 voted for it. Yeah, he, he has said on the record before he wants to see these files released. You know, if he's the senator for any of your listeners or, or they know someone for whom, he, you know, he's somebody to appeal to. Uh, boy, what a great bipartisan thing for the Senate or the House um, to, to, to go after these files, because, like I say, all the good stuff, like the Marcello confession tapes and transcripts, uh, a surveillance report 
on Mafia Don Johnny Roselli, who confessed his role in the JFK assassination. The FBI's surveillance reports when he would go to Miami in the summer and fall of 1963, where he did meet with Jack Ripley in Miami, um, those reports have never been released. They are not even at the National Archives. It, they do, do you believe? Let me just ask you this, uh, Lamar. If those documents are released between now and June 30th, all the good stuff, let's say everything that the government has, whether it's listed as part of the Kennedy collection or whether it's part of other different document caches, if all of these documents are released, Will that be a smoking gun? Will that prove either your theory of the Kennedy assassination or uh, something else definitively? I, I can give you uh, there two two answers to that. Number one, of course it will, because a lot of the files, like the ones being withheld on Carlos Marcello and Johnny Roselli, concern these guys' roles in killing JFK. So it would back up their confessions. Number two, naval intelligence, and again, U.S. military, you know, I, I think, you know, there are for all the you know problems they have, they're they're a pretty good bunch, right? So naval intelligence uh, did tight surveillance on Oswald from the minute he came back to America, um, and going right up to the day of the assassination, and they did their own private secret investigation uh, after the assassination and concluded that Oswald was incapable of doing the actual shooting and incapable of masterminding the assassination because Oswald was a terrible shot in the Marines even when he practiced and he hadn't practiced. Um, and, and, you know, he, he was a smart guy that actually had dyslexia. His IQ was around 120. Normal average is, is 100. But he had kind of dyslexia, learning disorders. So he was not a dumb guy, but he's, he's not like a mastermind type. So, so essentially, naval intelligence basically came close to exonerating Oswald. Now, the, the fifth government committee to investigate, House Select Committee on Assassinations, they found out about this report, went after it. They were stonewalled in the late 70s until after they went out of business. The sixth and final government committee to investigate the assassination, the JFK Records Review Board that was created by that unanimously passed 1992 uh, JFK Act, um, uh, they found out about it because I told them about it. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so I talked to one of their investigators and, and, and they pried some leads out of me. They were able to, to confirm things. And, and there was a, a, a naval intelligence um, or a Navy officer who was appointed by the Defense Department as kind of the liaison with this review board. And she really tried hard to find that report that essentially exonerated Oswald and the surveillance reports. And basically, the Navy and Defense Department drummed her out of the service wow. for trying to do her job. So, which is just a and 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 so according to the 1992 JFK Act, all of the internal communications at the Defense Department and Navy and Naval Intelligence about how to obstruct that investigation, well, guess what? They're also assassination records. And so if, if somebody in Congress or in the White House decides, yeah, they should get those records, boy, that, that officer needs to be you know, she was drummed out in the late 90s. Yeah, she she needs to be restored to rank and given whatever 
high decoration, you know, uh, the White House can can give. Cause, but but that just gives you an example. And see, they made an example of her, mm-hmm. so that so that I mean, boy, what an example that sent to other people in the Defense Department and in the Navy and Naval Intelligence. To, hey, you know, you know, once it's secret, it's always secret. But it, it's out there because uh, of one of my sources. One of my sources helped to do the investigation. Another totally separate independent source saw that report in the Philippines in the early 70s. In other words, when the JFK assassination started coming up in the Watergate investigation, uh, the U.S. military made sure it was halfway across the world at the big U.S. Navy base we had at that time in the Philippines. Lam- but Lamar, but, but I, I, I think it exists, and, and we need to get that stuff. Uh, we're just about out of time, uh, but I want to squeeze in two final questions if we can. And uh, I hopefully we'll talk again between now and June 30th to see what other documents are released. Sure. I had a gentleman on this program yesterday, a historian, pretty well-respected, he subscribes to the theory, not necessarily that he believes it, but he thinks it's credible that um, Kennedy might have been killed accidentally by one of the Secret Service agents, Agent Hickey. I'm sure you've seen that theory yeah, that, over that, the that, years. I can just tell you in a heartbeat, that's been incredibly discredited. So mm-hmm. there is there is zero, less than zero information yeah, I wanted to ask yeah. you about it just because he was on the program yesterday, and I know exactly. a lot of our listeners are going to be asking the same question. And so uh, the your contention is that the conspiracy wa- involved el- the mob, elements of the mafia and organized crime, elements of the CIA as well. Do you believe that LBJ played a role either in the plot itself or the cover-up? No, because while, while, while JFK was killed in Dallas, what, what my book describes in detail with – you know, with with tons of supporting documentation, is the same plan was 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 almost used against JFK in Chicago three weeks before Dallas, which is where Johnny Roselli's mob family was based, even though he was based personally in Los Angeles, Las Vegas. Then the same plan was almost used against JFK during his long motorcade in Tampa, Florida. So people look at LBJ just because it happened in sure. Dallas. Sure. But but LBJ wasn't even along, right. you know, in the Chicago Got motorcade it. that was canceled or in the Tampa one that went All along. Right. So, again, people have been looking for credible evidence about J, about LBJ's involvement for years. I looked at it for years. There There is zero credible evidence. Plus, remember, the last shot flew not that many feet over the head. Sure. Of Lyndon Johnson. So, so if somebody had jostled the arm of the gunman at the last minute, yeah. So, no, no Lamar, Lyndon Johnson had nothing to do with JFK. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. I hope people check out the book uh, or several of your books. They could just uh, Google you or go to Amazon. Lamar, W-A-L-D-R-O-N. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Frank. The, I always appreciate it. Same here. The hidden history of the JFK assassination. Calls, questions, comments, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.